You are listening to FPEA Connects, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to FPEA Connects. Today's host is Suzanne Nunn. Suzanne is an active homeschool mom serving homeschool families in both her local community and across the state. She also serves as chairman of FPEA, Florida's statewide homeschooling association. FPEA serves thousands of homeschool families in Florida, delivering a wealth of support, guidance, and information to both new and longtime home educators. Please join us as we seek to encourage you in your homeschool journey and help you stay connected to all things homeschooling in the Sunshine State. Welcome to episode number 23 of FPEA Connects. I'm Suzanne Nunn, and I'm so glad you've decided to join us today as we have invited a special friend of mine and FPEAs to be with us, Cheryl Bastian. Cheryl's name may sound familiar if you've been to the FPA convention because she is one of our speakers and she has graciously decided to spend some time with me today and talk about a topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts and that is teaching our little learners. So Cheryl, welcome. Thank you, Suzanne. Thanks for inviting me to be with you. Teaching preschoolers is a passion of mine. I've been teaching preschoolers for almost 30 years. 27 years of those have been in my own home with my eight children. Uh, My children are 27 to two, so I've had three home graduates, and I currently have a preschool and a kindergarten, so preschool is definitely something that I live with every day. Um, As I meet parents of preschoolers, whether that be at park days, interactions, at restaurants, speaking to groups, doing annual homeschool evaluations, the number one concern that I hear from parents in in regards to preschoolers is, what about the cognitive growth, the academics of my little learners? And it's totally understandable, especially since as homeschooling parents, we really do feel the weight and responsibility of the education of our children. And we feel like that we have to get on to what we're learning because we don't want to lose any time. So I hope today in the podcast that I would encourage you um, with some ideas that flow naturally from what your little learners are enjoying, that insatiable curiosity, curiosity and the need that they have for discovery. Well, that is exactly what we're going to um, talk about some today is the natural curiosity of the little learners, right? So Cheryl, can you give us some examples of some of the natural life learning experiences that you've uh, had with your kids? Absolutely. Let me, I'm gonna kind of do it by content area because I think that that would be um, just the most cohesive. Let me start with math because math really does abound in the lives of our little learners naturally. There's crackers they can count and candies they can sort and sets to be made of the seashells they find on a beach or their Hot Wheel cars that they love. The goal of early math is to increase the conceptual understanding while they're developing the love of solving problems and learning those what those skills are about in real life and introducing your young children to math vocabulary in a concrete way so that when they see it in an abstract means they will understand it. So offering tools to children, we kind of like to do that in our house so that they can experiment with those tools at a very young age and learn how to solve problems. Like for example, one of my favorite things is to give our children a tape measure versus a measuring tape. Now I didn't know the difference between those two (laughs) tools, um, but one is rigid and one is plastic. So one is very flexible and the other's kind of rigid. So if you're gonna measure the circumference of a trash can, say, um, you're gonna want the one that's plastic and 
can move around the trash can. Right. So it's good for little learners. I don't tell them that. I let them just figure that out and experiment how that goes or how that works. So some of the other tools that we use are egg timers. Now that's a, we found that's a great tool when they're learning how to brush their teeth. Um, it will help them brush a little longer, which is a great <laughs> extra added benefit. Right. Um, stopwatches, fantastic, whether it be on your phone or you give them a stopwatch, they can wear around their neck. They want to time everything from the time it takes them to run to the mailbox to the time it takes them to make their bed. And the good thing is, one, they're getting something done, their chores, they're learning how to be independent, but they're also learning what it feels like, what time feels like, how long does three minutes feel like, how long does 30 minutes feel like. That's a really important concept that parents don't always understand they need to incorporate into their day. Of course, tape measures, like I said, measuring cups and spoons um, from the things that they're going to measure and bake with you to other just natural exploration things, pouring water and sand and those kinds of things. Protractors, they may not understand how to draw an angle, but they're going to experiment with it. Geometry templates, thermometers, that's another one of my favorites because we can hang it outside of our kitchen window or outside their bedroom. And they can just every day keep track of the temperature, either um, write it down, graph it, compare. Oh, it's sunny. That means it's going to be, it might be hotter or it's kind of overcast. So the weather, it, the temperature might be a little lower. A kitchen scale is another really good tool that we've loved over the years. And especially if you can get a kitchen scale that has a little bucket tray on it. So they can actually measure the weight of water. Uh, how, how much does the cup of water weigh? And is that going to be the same as what, let's say, a cup of corn syrup would would weigh. So those are all really good tools that you can give to your kids at a young, a young age so they can experiment with math and learn how it applies to real life. Okay, so those are really great um, points and I think a lot of times people don't think about that being preparing mm. them for math. Mm. Um, we see them as life skills certainly, mm. but not always for math, but it's great groundwork um, for math and I appreciate some of those ideas. Um, what about some of the things you would do to teach language arts that's to a, your preschoolers? Yeah, that's a great question. Now, I want to start by explaining what language arts really is, especially in the young years, so that parents can see it's generally even a natural outpouring of the life that they're actually living with their preschoolers. So there's four elements to, to language arts, specifically preschool language arts in this case. So listening, speaking, reading, and writing. So listening and speaking come naturally from the face-to-face -face conversation that you're having with your preschoolers, and that's really important. That's one of the things that I have to make sure that I am cognizant about every day in my living. Am I taking enough time to just get at their level, look in their eyes, and have a conversation with them about things that matter to them, not just, did you make your bed, or hey, can you come shopping with me, but things that really matter to them. Wow, did you see the antenna on that grasshopper? So <laughs> just that face-to-face -face conversation, they're right. learning listening and speaking skills through just the everyday happenings of the home environment. And again, puppet play, pretend play, dress up, those are all really good ways that preschoolers learn how to practice language skills. Especially if your preschoolers have a tendency to shyness or anxiety, those are really low stress ways that they can practice language and not feel like they're kind of on display. Or, That's a good point. Yeah, it mm -hmm. really has been good for our learners um, who have kind of had those tendencies. So the other, the other things that we do for listening skills is just telling our kids stories, whether that be our happenings, re, hey, let's you know tell daddy what happened today. That retelling is really important to preschoolers. 
but also the reading aloud to them. We read aloud to our kids so much. Like that is a part of our everyday. Um, even at 10 o'clock at night, if I'm exhausted and the kids are tired, I'll say, go get a book. And amazingly, they calm down immediately and they usually <laughs> fall asleep while we're reading. Right. So it's really a great thing. And I, I try so as much as I can intentionally to give them a variety of genres um, and a variety of different writing styles and a, a variety of different literary techniques, the limericks, the alliteration, the fables, the biographies. Now, they may not know those words, but they're getting an understanding of what those things how they're used in writing, how they're used in life, how they're used to entertain, how they're used to get a point across. Not in a lesson, we're not teaching that, but they're just learning it through what we're doing. Through here, through here. And it's it, really yeah. been important as our kids have gotten older, we've seen the benefit as they've moved on to middle school, high school, and even post-secondary education, being exposed to all of those, that wide genre or wide spectrum of, of language has really helped them academically. So onto the, the reading and writing elements of language arts. You know, of course, in the preschool, you're talking letter recognition and letter formation. And some of the ways that we've done that is just pointing out letters, obviously, like on signs or, you know, of course, everybody likes to play a license plate game. Can you find an A? Can you find a B? Mm -hmm. Those are really, really important things that that are important to preschool. Like they, they love to do that. So incorporate that into your day. Make it fun. We've given them magnet letters, letter stickers. Oh my goodness, we we're cleaning out my mom's house lately. <laughs> and um, she had all these scrapbooking stickers. We came home with this uh, huge bag. That's a treasure. Oh, <laughs> treasure huge, yeah. huge from letter recognition to now we're learning how to spell with the five-year-old. So those things draw and write books so they can actually write it, draw a picture and then ha dictate a story to you. To, you know, mommy, will you write this story? Absolutely, those are all learning, early learning activities that you can do to, to um, foster that language development. We give them receipt books and play money and stickers so that they'll play store and restaurants. So they're, again, you're naturally fostering um, that written language and that verbal language development. Writing in condensation, how many kids <laughs> like to write on the shower door? It's, you know, you have letters and you're, some parents get annoyed, but it's one of those things, it's a small, very short stage, um, but hugely beneficial to them. So we allow that to happen too. Um, one of the questions that I get, Suzanne, a lot is when do I introduce handwriting paper? Um, and I personally don't really introduce that until my kids, it's about kindergarten usually, but until my kids have the fine motor skills to be able to confidently and successfully stay within the lines. Prior to that, we learn letter formation, just drawing with a stick in the sand or um, writing on a whiteboard with markers, they love that. Again, the condensation, drawing on the sidewalk with chalk, fingertip in the sand, like anything you can think of to, so they can get those motor skills working. So eventually they'll have the ability successfully to work with handwriting paper. Right, so, and my kids love the shaving cream. Yes, mm. oh, yes, that's a great one. <laughs> that's it. Awesome. Drawing and writing in the yes. shaving cream. So um, again, great ideas that you share there in some ways that you don't necessarily think of mm -hmm. um, you know for people who are really anxious to give some academics you can do that so easily so through these true. natural um, interactions every day with your kids mm -hmm. um, so let's move on then to science and the social sciences mm -hmm. what have you done and what have you found to be successful well again preschoolers are into the world around them right the current events the things around them the bugs the just everything the wonder like you said right. so use it use it um, 
you know, as far as social sciences, people say, well, what does that include? Well, for a young child, it's just getting them around different cultures, different ages of people, different um, careers. So you're like, well, we always go to Publix. Yeah, but you can go to Publix and, and talk about, hey, um, what job would you really like to do at Publix? Or what, let's look for scales in the Publix store. How are they used? Um, pay attention to how the deli workers work with the customers. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can talk about to make them kind of see it in a different way rather than just go to Publix and get a cookie, um, which they love and it's awesome. And I always <laughs> tell them, yeah, sure, come to Publix because there's always something to learn there. So in outdoor and, and nature and animals, you know, people ask me all the time, where do I start with my preschoolers? Start with what they love, animals. Like you cannot, you can't go wrong with animals. They exactly. love animals. They exactly. love animals from their pets to the bugs, whatever. So some of the other things that we've done, of course, the sand play with water, um, funnels, measuring cups, sieves is a great thing. It's, it's good for them to experiment with, but it's also good for them and their motor skills to develop those motor skills that they mm -hmm. need. The pouring and the discovery, all that stuff. The other thing that we've liked is PVC pipe. Uh, Grandpa had some extra PVC pipe. We kind of you know, made sure that they were smooth and things, and then the kids could put them together and make marble runs. Um, that was a really good experiment in physics. Animal study, of course, we go to zoos and nature preserves, public gardens, national parks, you know, taking a simple picnic on the shore of a pond and just watching the animals and observing them in the habitat and maybe bringing some tadpoles home. Mm. That's things they love. <laughs> Purchase did, an ant farm. We did that. Did you? Yes. <laughs> we did the tadpoles. Yes. Every year we get we get puddles in our neighborhood and the frogs hatch and we always bring them. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. And so we purchase ant farms. We haven't been real successful about collecting our ant own ant farms because there's a specific way that you have to do that. But again, that's a learning opportunity. Um, we've done live caterpillars um, and hosting them and planting a milkweed, catching tadpoles. Like I said, I mean, all of these things you want to introduce them to just animals in the life cycle and the habitats. And again, it's, it's, it's contextual. Mm -hmm. It's conceptual for them that they, they get it so that when they have to learn it in a book or see it in a book, they get it. They right. understand it. Right. Magnets is another really, really uh, fun activity for children to have to be able to experiment with. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we get to these things that they just love and they have a wonder for and they want to discover more about, um, I actually take my kids to the library and I show them the area of the book of where the books would be that they're interested in. So if it's the ants. Also, I'll, I'll type in the computer, you know, this is where we're going to find the ant books, and I show them where that, that physical shelf is so that when they go, they feel like they can be an independent learner and say, I know exactly where the ant books are, and they feel empowered. Mm -hmm. So they're, in a sense, That's taking important. on, mm -hmm. yeah, their own education. It has really worked really well. And then it actually you work yourself out of a job <laughs> um, because they'll just go and carry on and learn without you. There you go. Some of the science tools that we've loved over our 23 years of home education, telescope, you can buy those maybe at a garage sale or a thrift store, look for those. Mm -hmm. But one of the ones that I, we have really, really loved, truly the best, has been our Brock Magiscope. We got that when my oldest son was five. So we've had it for almost 23 years, the entire time of our homeschooling. Mm -hmm. um, grandparents got it for us for Christmas because it's a little bit pricey, but totally worth it. Lifetime warranty made of metal. You cannot destroy it. We've taken it to the beach. You can take it outside. You can take the whole um, ocular off so you can use it as a magnifying glass if you want. You put whole specimens right under it so you don't have to mess with slides. We have put huge lubber grasshoppers right on the stage. Wow. So those, yeah, it's an Fantastic. amazing tool. Yeah. 
and, and when, I, when I speak about science, I bring those with me to convention because it's always one of those things that parents are just like, I can't believe this, this microscope. Mm. It's such mm. a great scope. And a kitchen scale. And again, that's, that's one of those tools that goes math and science, but then kids start seeing the, the, the marriage between math and science and how that works together. So truly, we endeavor to foster that intrinsic motivated learning. What is it that you are one wondering about? What is it that you want to investigate? So in right. regards of social sciences, those are the things, like I said, careers, history, um, geography. Of course, we try to take our kids to as many different places as we can um, that's feasible. And obviously, there are going to be seasons in your life when you can't, and that's OK. But when we can, you know, there's free library programs you can go to. Um, field trips you can take, church mission programs that that might be available to you. Uh, we've hosted exchange students from Japan seven times. Oh yeah, it's huge, and our kids they get it's like bringing Japan into your house, and right. our kids beg us to do that. Even the little ones, like, can we have a Japanese student? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so if you have, if God op opens that opportunity for you, take it and embrace it. It really does help your preschoolers put themselves in a in a big world. It puts them in history. It, and talking to grandma about what it was like to live in in the Great Depression, like they learn, wow, you lived in the Great Depression. What mm -hmm. was that like? And then they realize that it's not just about me. Like right. I am part of a huge big picture, and it really does open up their world a little bit bigger than just this is me. Such an important lesson. It's huge. That's a huge lesson. It's huge. It, it really is. is, and it gives them a global scope in a mm -hmm. very young age to realize there's so much more out there that I can be a part of and contribute to. Contribute. Contribution is a, is a big thing. Right. For all ages, preschool through um, as adults, really. So, and then we read biographies. Some of our favorites are the David Adler's picture book series. Uh, we love the Gerard Publishers Discovery biographies. Those are mm. a vintage. Fantastic. Those are great. Those are great. Yeah. The font is bigger, so it encourages the, those preschoolers who are then going to be emergent readers. I think I could read this myself. They are really great, but you have exactly. to hunt for them on the internet. Mm -hmm. Again, you want to remember you're keeping it real and relational for your preschoolers. That's all of that. So fantastic. And um is very familiar because many of those are the things that we did yes. uh, with our preschool kids at you know at our house and uh, they were important important days again they learn and they're going to learn Absolutely. during these years Absolutely. and you can just provide them with a lot of awesome opportunities so um cheryl you were mentioning like the social and emotional and physical needs of preschoolers can you spend a few minutes just giving us some tips in those areas sure again you know we all want to think about the cognitive parts of our preschoolers but truly there is the social emotional needs that preschoolers have that are just as important um, in fact if the social and emotional and physical needs are not met a lot of those needs in that development it's going to affect the cognitive growth later so let me give you an example of that because a lot of parents when I talk to them they're like oh my preschooler just kind of lays on the table to have his dinner or when he's writing letters he just kind of like lays on the floor there are some kids who naturally want to learn that way but on the other hand there are kids that just don't have the core muscles developed so mm -hmm. your body the, the physical body develops from the core out so that trunk, those, the stomach muscles, the chest muscles, then the shoulder muscles, and then the forearms or the thighs, and then, the, and then out to the fingers and toes. So as you're out, your preschooler being outside, just remember that riding of the bike, the jumping of the rope, the throwing the ball, being at the park when you're climbing a rock wall. Now the rock wall is really important 
as soon as you feel safe that they can do that because they have to um, develop that left to right movement, the crawling movement that a baby makes. Right. It's really important that cross crawl comes into play for processing later, later on the, down the road. And so some kids haven't had enough time to get that cross crawl down and what they're finding is that affects them when they, it comes to processing. Isn't so that interesting? It's totally it's, interesting. Yeah, the way our body is really designed to prepare Absolutely. us for the next yes. phase. So spend time on the rock wall. It's really, it's it's a really important place to spend your time um, at the park because it will help later for when your child is going to handwrite. When you see a hmm. you know a seven year old who's got really bad handwriting and you're like, what's going on? I ask the parents, how much time are you spending at the park? How's that core? <laughs> and there are some things that you can do to remediate that, to help that core develop so that the, the um, fine motor then will, will follow on behind. So or swinging, that's another, another, we don't realize the benefits of swinging on a swing, but when you, if you in, can envision yourself swinging, what are you having to use to pump that swing? Your, your core muscles, you actually have to lean back and forth to be able to move that swing in conjunction with your legs. So that's another really, and it's also good for the vestibular development of your brain. But um, that's another thing. Parents just, oh, we're going to the park. Well, that's actually a great thing. <laughs> going to the it's park a is a great way really, to spend your time. It's a great way to spend your time. Yeah. But when we're at home and we can't get to the park, um, we draw hopscotch on the driveway. We'll toss a beanbag. You can make a beanbag really easily and just toss it into a bucket or draw a line across the driveway and toss the beanbag over the line. Uh, stand back a little far so they have to navigate spatial relationships right. is a really again another good skill croquet we found that at a garage sale and the kids <laughs> i know i love Isn't croquet. That fun? <laughs> i love it it is a it. And, it, and just if if only your kid just hits the 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 little ball through the ringer thing i don't know what that's really yeah. called <laughs> right. that's okay because they're again they're using that shoulder motion that's really important for them to develop and of course then bouncing throwing and catching balls mm -hmm. of all sizes and weights because all the balls are going to move differently if they weigh different right, weights right so that's again things that they can experiment with and then there's digging oh my goodness like i think even this week i've talked to three moms who said my kid is digging up my yard <laughs> i've been there especially boys right but again that's so important for their muscles my boys would spend two three hours outside just digging Eventually, I said to my husband, we have to give them a space to dig because they're going to end up digging up the telephone wires and cutting <laughs> the lines. We actually had give to them. call the phone company and say, can you come out and tell us where the line is because uh, our boys are going to wow. dig it up. That's awesome. I, yeah, but they ended up, we moved them to a certain spot so that they wouldn't harm anything, and they dug to their little heart's content, and it really did build the core muscles. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the other thing it built was their relationship to one another working together. Right, so right. Digging That's holes important. is a really good thing. <laughs> And that led to planting a garden and growing things. Um, and then there's those rainy days, you're like, oh, we can't get outside and we need to get outside. Um, we've done balancing bean bags on our head and our arms and our shoulders. I mean, there's just, they love bean bags. I, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about bean bags, but they love that. So you, and you can play bozo buckets with, you know, ping pong balls and just a sand bucket, throwing, trying to get it in there. It's actually not easy. Not easy. All the time, especially <laughs> if you move the bucket a little further out. Exactly. Um, the other thing we've done is take a tape line down the middle of our carpet and mm -hmm. said, hey, let's see if we can balance on the tape line like a tightrope walker. Again, that's a really important skill cognitively and physically for that student, for that preschooler. Those are, um, again, like great um, ideas mm -hmm. and thoughts. Sometimes you really are in the midst of your everyday and you don't think That's about so it. When you true. have preschoolers oh, so and true. I think about some of the things you're mentioning 
and how inexpensive Mm -hmm. and easily accessible Mm -hmm. they are and Mm -hmm. you know so so much of the time it saddens me because i see all the little ones on the screens like constantly on a screen of some Mm -hmm. sort and i think these are the things that they're missing Mm -hmm. and they're so simple and they're so easy you know so just encouraging parents to do this is so important um in the last few minutes we're going to be wrapping up here in a minute but in the last few minutes will you share some ways Mm -hmm. that parents can foster like a preschooler social and emotional growth (laughs) well you know they're social (laughs) yes they're social. that's not a problem the the thing that i find about social emotional growth is it's natural to home you have to learn to live with people and you have to learn (laughs) how to get along with them and so you in your everyday life of settling those squabbles and those conflicts and you're like oh my goodness like my brain is going to explode if I have to solve another conflict over the Legos. <laughs> That's actually really important. You're, you're teaching them peacemaking skills. You're teaching them conversational pro- the conversational process, mm-hmm. the listening and the, you know, I'll listen, you speak, or I don't always have to be first, or, you know, that's all a part of healthy social-emotional growth. The sharing, yes, it's hard, yes, but it matters. Like those everyday interactions that you do. Sometimes I feel like with my preschoolers, we don't get anything done except subtle conflicts or can you please share that with your sister or can you please not worry about that you made the mess, just help clean it up. But that was an important day. Like it's, it's a yes, huge. Yes, yeah. absolutely. For preschool, well, for any of us, really, like, you know, right. I'm starting to realize I'm not all that different than a preschooler sometimes. I need reminding about letting somebody else go first. Um, but yeah, and even helping to be a part of a family, load, unloading a dishwasher, putting away groceries, like, it's mm-hmm. so important to be a part of a team. Like, one of the number one um, characteristics that employers are looking for in the people they hire is collaboration. It right. starts at preschool. Exactly. <laughs> so those are skills that mamas, when you're tired and you're thinking, I'm not, you are doing an important work. <laughs> Just the natural process of that. So all of these activities, they, they help our preschooler learn how to navigate the social, emotional, their feelings. And in essence, they're building their emotional intelligence at an early age. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what emotional intelligence is, it's like a big buzzword right now. It's really, read about it. Like yeah. you'll realize, oh my goodness, it does start in preschool. It really and does. And a lot of times if you don't start it in preschool, you're like, oh, I, there's yikes. a deficit. There's <laughs> there a deficit. There yeah. Is. So those preschool years are not are not wasted years. No. Just in no, the natural are. living mm-hmm. of things, yep. without curriculums or high academic things that you right. are purchasing. You know, it happens just in the relational um, moments. Yeah. Pre- you just have to remember, um, you know, your listeners. Like, I want to encourage them. Remember, your preschoolers have an insatiable curiosity. They wonder about everything, and they have a need for discovery and adventure. And it's going to happen as part of your day, and it's all part of the natural learning process. So I would encourage your listeners to keep it real and keep it relational. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Cheryl, thank you so much for joining me today. I um, I appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. I love to talk to you about these <laughs> things. And for our listeners, I just want to say, if you want to hear more from Cheryl, Join us at our FPA convention. Uh, It's Memorial Day weekend Mm -hmm. um, every year, so you can Mm -hmm. look it up on our website, www.fpa.com. And Cheryl's going to be speaking there this year uh, on what preschoolers need, Mm -hmm. and she's going to be talking about science that little learners love. Mm -hmm. So if you have young learners, you don't want to miss that opportunity. And again, thank you for being here, Cheryl. And 
Um, thank you to our listeners for listening today. Yes. And I just want to say be encouraged mm -hmm. uh, in these years that you're nurturing these little ones. It's Absolutely. so important. It's an important Absolutely. time. And we're going to say goodbye now. And until next time, I just want to say stay connected. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us next time for FPEA Connects. You can find us on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com. For more information about FPEA, visit us at our website, fpea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay connected.